The DSR Listener Survey is now here. Your voice matters, and we want to hear it. So please take a moment to fill out the survey and help us make our podcasts even better. You can find a link to the survey in the show description below. Thank you. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to one of those special editions of our podcast where we focus on a book that we think that you ought to go out and buy and... uh, and read, and even read it. And uh, in this particular case, the book is something with a compelling title called Corporate Bullshit, Exposing the Lies and Half-Truths that Protect Profit, Power, and Wealth in America. It's been written by three very smart people, um, Nick Hanauer, Joan Walsh, and Donald Cohen. We're joined today by Nick Hanauer, who is a an entrepreneur, um, who is a philanthropist, who is a leading thinker on economic policy, and best of all, who's a friend. How are you doing, Nick? I'm great. Thank you so much, David, for having me on your podcast. Well, I'm really glad to have you. I think it's a really uh, important book. Um, uh, uh, when you take a subject like corporate bullshit and you manage to limit it <laughs> to the size that you've limited yes. it to, yeah. Uh, that's that's a real achievement. It, it, that, that's true. Just so you know, the the my working title uh, for the book uh, before we landed on corporate bullshit was an encyclopedia of corporate lies and malfeasance. And if we had gone in that direction, it it, it indeed would have been as big as the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> well, I think this book's going to be very successful, and I think you have the opportunity for even more corporate bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Or you know, because it keeps it keeps on coming. Although I think, you know, the the core premise of the book uh, is not just that elites within our economy produce lies to preserve their wealth and their position in society. Uh, it's that you can actually break it down into certain categories. That there are patterns among those lies. Talk a little bit about how you arrived at that insight. Well, I mean, let me let me back up and sort of give you some perspective on where the where where how we got here, um, David. As you know, uh, for many many years now, I've been involved in economic policy. Uh, you know, focusing on economic inequality. One of the defining pieces of work in my political and economic career was on the fifteen dollar minimum wage, and when I got into that racket. Uh, of course, everywhere I turned, uh, people said that if you raise wages, it will kill jobs and harm the very people it's intended to help. But when I looked at the empirical evidence, what I found was that there was no support for that claim. That in fact, when you actually look at what happens, there's effectively no effect on uh, jobs when you raise the minimum wage. And the more I thought about this and worked on it, and the more clear it became that our opponents didn't care 
about the empirical evidence, uh, it, it finally dawned on me that they weren't saying these things because they were true. They were saying them because they're effective, right? The, the, the phrase raising the minimum wage will kill jobs sounds like a claim on economics. What it really is, is in an intimidation tactic masquerading as economics. It's a way of bullying poor people. And it works incredibly well, which is why they keep saying it. And when I realized that I wasn't in a contest over truth, I was in a contest over power and money, well, that was a clarifying moment. Now, many of your listeners will be shaking their heads and saying, dude, how did you not know that? But I guess I, you know, in the early days, I was somewhat naive. But what puzzled me was why you never hear the truth. Like, why does the Chamber of Commerce always say something like, uh, raising the minimum wage will kill jobs, rather than raising the minimum wage will reduce our, our profits and our executive bonuses, and we don't give a rip about you, right? Like, that's obviously the truth. The, the obvious palpable truth is that corporate America doesn't give a rip about its low-wage workers. They want to exploit them as much as they can and generate as much profit as they can and then as much uh, profit for their shareholders and themselves and, and everything else be damned. But, you, but that's never the press release. And I was really puzzled by this because it was just like so consistent across all the things that I ever worked on. So I called my friend, Molly Crockett, who's a, neuro, who's a neuroscientist and a researcher into human moral reasoning at Princeton, brilliant woman. And I was like rolling this around. I was, you know, trying to get her to understand my conundrum. And she's like, oh, Nick, this is super simple. The most important element in human moral reasoning is intention. What you intend is the most important thing, which is why, obviously, if you purposefully murder somebody in premeditation, you go to jail. But if you're driving down the freeway and somebody jumps off an overpass and lands on your car and you kill them, you are, you know, you're you, you're definitely not gonna get in the same kind of trouble. And one, the people are obviously equally dead, uh, but in one case you intended it, and the other you didn't. And and when you zoom out to these claims, what you always find is, is several different forms of the same basic construct, which is to use pro-social language to disguise anti-social ends. The reason that people don't just say the truth, which is, screw you, we make a lot of money on this product, and I don't care if it kills you. Um, <laughs> you know, we're going to keep making it until we can't anymore. Uh, is because if they said that, the social approbation would be so high that they'd be afraid that people would burn their houses down. And so they say these pleasant things to make you think that they intend um, good things when in, in fact, it's all about defending the harm and defending the indefensible. And so, so that was a really big part of kind of my experience fighting for economic justice. And I bumped into this amazing guy uh, in my work uh, named Donald Cohen, who, of course, had had similar experiences, but he had taken the trouble to take a sabbatical. And he went to the, I think, the Library of Commerce and spent half a year digging these kinds of quotes out of uh, history. And he created this fantastic database of this stuff, which he 
ended up gifting to my team at Civic Ventures. And then we didn't know what to do with it. Uh, and we thought at one point, well, you know what? People should see this and we should make a coffee table book about it. Because when you see this stuff in context, then you see that there are patterns that you can detect quite easily. And when you can see the patterns, then you're not quite so easily swayed by the bullshit. And so uh, th- so that's that's the basic story of the book. And indeed, the bullshit does take some very, very... Um, predictable uh, 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 forms. Uh, and we identify six different types of bullshit in the book. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And, no, 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 of course it yeah. makes sense. And it's, it's why, it's why the book is, is such a good book. And I, what doesn't make sense is a lot of these lies. When you screw <laughs> yes, them. So exactly. You, say, you know, if we, if we give more money to the people, you know, who are doing the work, um, that's going to be a job killer. Um, you know, most people don't then stay say, well, then what happens to the money if you don't give it to them? And then it's like, well, it goes to these other people and, and they get to keep it and they get to spend it and they get to be the ones that decide where it goes in the economy. Um, and it doesn't make any sense at all. So let's take these six and let's just do them kind of rapid fire, a couple of minutes on yeah. each one of them. First one is it's not a problem. And you're in the book, you talk about how long that one's been around. Yeah. It's, you know, dates back. Uh, to the beginning of time, because every, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, it goes back, yeah. it doesn't go back to quite this far in your book, but, you no. know, in the Middle Ages, yeah. the Lord would ride around and see his people in the muck and say, hey, don't worry about it. Your life sucks, but you're going to go to heaven. <laughs> exactly. And, and, right. But, 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 you know, you talk about slavery. Yeah. Not a problem. Or you talk about global warming. Not a don't problem. Don't worry about a thing. Yeah. Uh, smoking. Not a problem. It's fantastic. Doctors do it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's a good place to start. Talk about that. That's right. So denial, 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 uh, is definitely, uh, one of the anchor defenses of, uh, the powerful and the rich, uh, to protect their interests. And, um, uh, it's usually the first form of defense, which is, it's, it's just not a problem. And again, you find it in every domain and certainly in every new domain, whether it's social media, not a problem, climate change, not a problem, uh, you know, y- y- you pick it, uh, they'll say it. And then the second category uh, we identify is the f- d- not to worry, the free market will fix it. Uh, and that, and this yeah, is the- yeah, that's the, Right. That's the second category. Yeah, the ultimate instantiation of market fundamentalism is markets are always right. They always reward good behavior and punish bad. Uh, so for example, civil right law, rights laws for private businesses, absolutely no need. The market will fix it. Um, you know, as the U.S. Chamber of Commerce told Congress in 73, employers do not deliberately allow work conditions to exist which cause injury or illness. Safety is good business. Which is absolutely patently absurd. I mean, I think you've got a quote from Alan Greenspan in there. When yeah, young Alan Greenspan, it was like sixty years ago. He's probably only sixty at the time. Yeah, um, and and he said something to the effect of, "Well, it's bad for the reputation of business." Yeah, right. Um, which is just it's 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 a little crazy. I you know I was in the Clinton administration, as you know, and you know, leave it to the markets was the main motto. Yeah. Of, of 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 government at that that's time. right and 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 of course markets don't have consciences and if you left it to the markets if you got old or sick you'd be left by the side of the road to die yeah so but you know again 
that and that's not necessarily economically very 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 no. sane. Uh, but if you were left by the road to die, or you did, you know, suffer from the consequences of corporate malfeasance or uh, half truths, then you get to the third one, which is it's not our fault; it's your fault. Exactly, and this is the classic shifting blame thing. Um, injured on the job, you were careless. Uh, crash a car and kill yourself, you know, your 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 fault, your your fault. Um, uh, get botulism and die from some food product. Well, you should have boiled it. Uh, um, you know, like it's not, it's not the guns. Yes. It's the owner. Exactly. Exactly. It's not our fault. It's your fault. The, uh, The guns example is an absolutely fantastic one. Who's that clown? Uh, Mike Johnson, who was just um, elected speaker. Cloud is our speaker. Of the yeah. House. yeah. Uh, 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 the problem is in the human heart. It's not the guns, which is just so crazy and absurd. You just don't even know where to stay. Set. No, don't even know what to say. But indeed, it is. You know, one of the main rejoinders of folks who are trying to protect their interests. Uh, you know, and this, uh, uh, David, um, this really came to the fore. For example, during the coal mining days, where tens of thousands of people are being killed in coal mines every year, uh, and you know the coal mining executives were uh, adamant that the problem was that the miners were just being careless. You know, it just it's it just absolutely indefensible. That black lung is one of those things that you just carelessly pick up. Um, so the fourth one is it's a job killer. You've talked a little bit about it. it's a job killer. So let me flip that one around on you. Uh, we've just come through a period in which um, uh, some of the uh, uh, sort of traditional economists said, oh, no, we have to have high unemployment. Otherwise, uh, there will be too much inflation and the economy will collapse. And so, Joe Biden, you shouldn't go and create all those jobs. That's a bad thing. Uh, uh, so that that's kind of the reverse of it's a job killer. Talk about that. Well, I mean, look, in the interests of exploiting cheap labor, industry leaders and their sycophants will say anything. Um, And, uh, you know, the, 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 the nightmare of the low wage industries is a, um, is a, is a tight labor market. Right, where where working people have the bargaining power to ask for reasonable wages, and and it, it, I'm I'm not sure if you're tracking this, but in virtually every red state in the country, there are tons of child labor laws moving, uh, it, 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 effectively eliminating child labor laws, making it easier and easier for children to work for big companies without. Um, Without, uh, you know, without standards, without uh, appropriate um, guardrails, uh, because if the if the main body of the workforce is um, is uh, hard to exploit, well, then the first order bit becomes to find a new a new uh, uh, pool of labor to exploit. And well, and one of, one of the big lies that lies on the intersection between number four, which is it's a job killer, and number five, which is you'll only make it worse, is any regulation is bad. Correct. Because it'll kill jobs 
And if you regulate it, it's just going to make the problem. That's worse. right. That's right. Which And these two things are inextricably intertwined. Uh, but job killer is... Um, in the in the in the neoliberal era, has been one of the best lines of defense for economic elites ever. Like anything progressive you wanted to do, whether it was going to raise taxes on the rich, job killer, regulate big corporations, job killer, pay working people more, job killer. You name me a pro-social economic policy. I will find you somebody from industry that will call it a job killer. Uh, and and what, what's so fascinating about this one in particular for me, David, is that we live in a world, I mean, and this is part of the problem, is we live in this world, this sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the contemporary sort of orthodox economic thinking has made our world effectively upside down, where any kind of policy you want to implement that may benefit the broad uh, a broad group of citizens has to affirmatively show no harm but things that good that happen to economic elites like enormous co- corporate bonuses or outsized profits are always judged to be an unalloyed good so for example um the enormous Profits and bonuses that Wall Street um, that Wall Street collects every year. Nobody ever says though that's a job killer, but of course it is, right? Because if instead of accumulating, if corporate America made one trillion dollars a year less, and you spread that money around in the economy, you, you know you are talking about twenty million jobs at fifty thousand dollars a job. Right, like it, it's so it, it, rising economic inequality is so obviously a job killer, and yet we're in this world where the only things that are judged th- thus are stuff that help ordinary people. Well, one of the fundamental li- li- uh, underlying lies underlies: if you give money to poor people, it's bad for the economy. That's right. If you give money to rich people, it's good for the exactly economy, right. It, Minimum wage bad. Maximum wage, good, good, exactly, right. It trickles down. Yes, let, let let the smart people handle the money. That's right, and that and that and a corollary of that, of course, is that rich people need low taxes to be incentivized to work, and poor people need low wages to be incentivized to work. That if we pay poor people too much, if we give them too much benefits, well, then they won't work. If you raise taxes for rich people, you know, like it, it, it's like the opposite. Like, well, right. We, but also, I mean, th- this one really sort of gets to me all the time because they're like, well, if we have a wealth tax in America, that's going to take all incentive away because having the opportunity to go from $16 billion to $17 bi- not having the opportunity to go to $17 billion is going to kill the incentive of that person. That's right. You know, that. You need unlimited incentives for the rich to work. Yes, um, which is it's absurd, and and it's not just absurd; it's the opposite of true. The higher the the, the higher uh, the the higher uh, the tax rate, the more you have to work to generate the income that you want to do the stuff that you do need to work that that, that you need do need to do to earn that money. It's actually the opposite. Well, and also, of true. in certain in certain cases, if you spent the money, invested the yeah. money. 
in people, you know, you, you would actually get a better economic return. If you have better health care, people can do more work, you get a better economic yeah. return. Yeah. If you invest the money in R&D, you get a better economic return. If you invest, if you give all the money in capital gains to a couple of guys on Wall Street, you don't necessarily get a yeah, better economic. That's, that, that is for sure. And then, of course, the- you know, we we've got another we've got another one of these things right now. I just have to get your reaction to it before we move yeah. on to the the last of these things. Where um, uh, the, uh, that speaker of the house that you mentioned uh, uh, has a, has decided that his first move is going to be to separate aid from for Ukraine from aid for Israel proceed with aid for Israel, but, quote, pay for it with cuts to the Internal Revenue Department. Yeah. Um, you know, so $14.3 billion goes to Israel, $14.3 billion in cuts at the IRS. Except, of course, if you cut $14.3 billion at the IRS, for every dollar you cut at the IRS, you actually lose $2 yes. in revenue to the government. So, you know... It's not just corporations that are lying. It's also their lack. No, absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And, and, you know, they're, you know, uh, the, the economic elites and their political lackeys are the, you know, the central players uh, in, in this, in, in, in our, in our book. Um, and it's hard to see actually who's worse. Um, well, you know, one of the ways that it's easy to see it. Uh, well, you don't actually have to choose. One of the ways it's easy to see that what they're doing is bad is comes up to your last slide here, um, and which is kind of the 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 default lie. If you know, if you've got any program that you think is going to benefit people, what do you say? It's socialism. It's socialism. Yes, and 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 socialism covers and for, and for years we've been doing it. Yes, give people health care. Socialism. It's socialism. Educate them. Socialism. It's socialism. Create um, public transportation for them. Yeah. It's socialism. Right. Um, and 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 by the way, it's gone to even crazier extremes. Yesterday, I saw somebody on Fox um, just to take the word socialism as the ultimate, uh, so, you know, evil of of all evils. This woman on Fox yesterday said, uh, "If you're a socialist, you're an anti-Semite." Yeah, I mean, she just, she just, you know, just took it, and it's like, no, this is the, the worst thing you could call somebody um, is a socialist. One of the interesting contradictions that you and I have talked about from time to time, however, is that socialist countries are sometimes better capitalists than we are, yes, because they have social safety nets, and I, we, you and I talked about this, I think, the last time we saw each other, and so during the financial crisis, two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, when the uh, two auto companies went um, uh, under some duress. Uh, in the U.S., because there was no social safety net, they had to bail out General Motors. In Sweden, because there was a social safety net, they let the market take to run its course, and they let Saab go bankrupt. So who's the capitalist? Right, absolutely. The one with active social programs or the one not with active no, social programs? No, it's absolutely true. And a lot of a lot of people think that we have we have a pure form of capitalism here. It's simply not true. We have mostly socialism for the rich. We we have we spend hundreds of billions of dollars a year on uh on pro safety net programs principally because big 
American profitable companies refuse to pay their people enough to get by without that assistance, right? You know, most of our social safety net is exists to subsidize large American corporations, uh, which drives me absolutely crazy. And I think that, you know, one of the, one of the core principles uh, that I that 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 I believe we should live by is that if cap- capitalism is either a good good system or it's not. But if it's a good system, it cannot be true that the whole thing comes tumbling down if companies are required to pay people enough to live in dignity without government assistance. Like you, you, you know, it, that that's the minimum standard we should hold it to. Right. We bail out GM. We bail out big banks when they're faltering. Yeah. Uh, we bail out airlines when they're faltering. But the leading cause of bankruptcy in America is medical care. Yeah. In other words, the average person is allowed to go bankrupt seeking a service that they get for free in every other developed country right. of the world. Right. But a corporation, when its leaders make a mistake, can't go bankrupt because then the shareholders would be hurt. Uh, the, you know, there would be, and this is, you know, th- there's a lie it's somewhere in here one of the lies that really drives me crazy in crises like this is that the consequence is systemic. Like it's systemic if something bad happens to a company, but it's not systemic if something bad happens to people. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's always a double standard. And there is, but there is one, 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 um, one final category, which is you'll only make it worse. You know, the unintended consequences thing that, 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 you know, the minimum wage will harm workers. Welfare hurts the poor. Uh, giving women the right to vote will harm women and families. You you name it, right? Like that any intrusion into uh, or or attempt to change the status quo will result in a circumstance that uh, will harm everybody even more. Uh, again, death panels. Yes, death panels. If you if you have provide health care to people, then the government gets involved and they'll choose who your doctor is. Yes. And then the doctors will decide whether you live or die. Yeah. And all of these, all again, all of these are the same form or uh, th- these are different forms of the same basic proposition that, you know, clothing antisocial ends and pro-social language so that you're hiding your true intentions. And David, I want, I want to say just a word about why we created the book. It, 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 the thing is, I mean, it, first of all, just so reader, if so the listeners know, this is not a heavy lift intellectually for you. It is filled with quotations, cartoons, pictures. It, 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 you know, it's a coffee table book. It's meant to enjoy uh, it's not this grind that you have to go through uh, to read. It's meant to be picked up and uh, be, amu- I mean, of course, it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad, but to be amused by most generally. But the real purpose we did this book is that it, it, the thing is, is that all of these claims, when you first hear them, have the sound of plausibility. Like it's plausible that when you raise wages, it kills jobs, right? That is plausible. It just turns out that it is not true, and people have been saying it for a hundred years. So when you can see, it, when when you be, see sort of the history of these lies, how consistent they are in in so many domains 
enduring so many times, then the patterns become much more obvious to you. And it becomes infinitely easier in the here and now to not be conned by this nonsense, by this bullshit. So in a way that the purpose of the book is effectively to help people vaccinate themselves against these lies, right? Once you see the patterns, you can detect them when they come at you um, in, in the future. And that's the, that's the whole play here. That's why we thought it would be useful to do and uh, why we took the trouble to do it. And so Dawn and I uh, have this other friend, amazing woman named Joan Walsh, who's, um, who's an incredible, um, in- incredible journalist. Uh, uh, and so the three of us came together to try to cre- co-create this book, which we thought would be in the service of uh, the good. And, and here we are. So that's that 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 that's kind of the well, story. And I have to say, it's a very entertaining book. It serves a very useful purpose. Uh, we all can use, given the the kind of era that we live in, yeah. the amount of disinformation that's out there. We all can use a better, uh, more capable bullshit detector. Yes, this is a detector for a special kind of bullshit. <laughs> it is entertaining. Some of the the things that are quoted in this book, you sort of shake your head until you realize who said it and what the consequence of it was. Uh, there are many spinoff opportunities, by the way. Yes. I mean, there is corporate bullshit bingo, yes. which you could play during certain political speeches, yes. um, or the corporate bullshit drinking game. Yes, that's which true. Which would re- render you insensible. That's true. After a lot of speeches that you hear. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, I think, you know, there is obviously a, a bigger issue here. And that is, this is not just about bullshit. This is about the marketing and sale of a political philosophy that has driven inequality up in the United States, that has has made the United States uh, for a hundred years an economy that placed the interests of corporations ahead of the interests of people. Since the 14th Amendment was written in the wake of the Civil War, it has been used more times to guarantee the, quote, rights of companies than of human beings. Uh, and, and, you know, when you get into the era that most of us are familiar with, certainly in the last 40 years, these things have gone from being the bullshit that you've identified them to be, to being a kind of gospel. They can't even be challenged. And I think one of the important points here is we have to challenge the gospel, yes. right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, uh, it takes a collective effort, which is why we thought that this, this was an important piece of work is what we have to do. So all, all I think the other really important thing to remember is that these claims are often intimidation tactics. They are designed to make people fearful of resist of um of pushing back like for 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 example like raising wages kills jobs that's just a straight up threat that's a way to intimidate poor people and if you believe it uh then you will not work hard to wait raise your own wages because you will feel like that would be an impractical thing to do uh, but once you realize that they're just trying to intimidate you that fear converts to anger and with anger comes animation and change um 
and 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 I think what 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 elites are desperate to avoid is people being truly angry at them. It's easy to exploit people when they're afraid. It's very hard when they're mad. Uh, and well, and I think you know I think another point of this is that those elites have a number of spokespeople who dress their corporate bullshit up in academic phrases and academic-sounding seriousness, and these people can't be challenged. So you had Alan Greenspan, and he would testify to Congress, and nobody would know what the fuck he was saying. It was completely obtuse. But if you boiled it down, it was, leave it to the rich people, let them take the money, they'll take it where it wants. And in this last round, uh, to be you know nonpartisan about it, but we had Larry Summers and others on the Democratic side who were saying to Joe Biden, "Here are fifty academic reasons you can't go and do the right thing," and and of course, the economy has been the ultimate debunker because the economy is doing well. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and yeah, people. Get, I think it was Bloomberg who predicted thirteen months ago that within twelve months there was a one hundred percent chance. That the economy would be in recession, <laughs> just like, and you know, no, no, every month, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a guy on Twitter who shows the headline from a year ago, saying, "Yeah, you know, de- we're destined to a hard landing in the economy." Yeah. And it just, yeah, it just. And by the way, and- the only way to avoid it is to make poor people poor. We should, <laughs> right, right. And by the way, none of these have receded. Well, anyway, look, we could go on and on and on. I find talking to you great. I love it. Uh, We've been having this conversation now for very nearly 30 years. We have. Between between you and I. Uh, But I would say this, not only is corporate bullshit a really entertaining read uh, and a really important read, um, the one bone I would have to pick is uh, it's it's, it's misleadingly titled. Because it is 100% pure truth. It is not <laughs> bullshit. Um, and 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 I I strongly urge everybody out there uh, to go pick it up, yeah. read it, share it, start to debunk these issues. You'll hear them in your town council. Yes. You'll hear them in your state legislatures. You'll hear them at the federal level. Be the person who's able to raise the hand and say, yeah, they've been saying that for 136 years. Yeah. It was wrong then. It's still wrong. It's wrong now. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, so I encourage everybody to go out and get corporate uh, bullshit, exposing the lies uh, and half-truths that protect profit, power, and wealth in America by Nick Hanauer, Joan Walsh, and Donald Cohen, uh, and share it. Uh, makes a good holiday gift. Um, so. Hopefully, Nick will coax you back on for another part of this conversation. Uh, but congratulations on the book. Thank you. It's a great Thank you so much. And thank you, thank you again for uh, having me on. And, uh, and you and I will, as you know, talk very soon. I, I look forward to it. Uh, and for all of you who are out there listening, keep coming back for more like this. Uh, it's why we're here. And, uh, and we're doing, we've got, a couple podcasts a day, so keep coming back every day. Between now and then, thanks. Be well. Bye-bye.